Welcome back to another episode of Stayos Podcast, the legendary Stayos Podcast. Today, we'll be discussing the second four episodes of The Last Dance, episodes five through eight. Uh, and I have Ian with me. Ian, uh, plug your projects, bro. What's going on, man? This is Ian from the uh, Vibes and Stuff Podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics every week. Uh, tune in and for some good old head hip-hop conversations. Uh, I also co-host the uh, the MVP podcast with Roddy, Magnificent Vibes. Uh, we've been on hiatus for a little while because uh, coronavirus kind of shut down sports, but we will be back very soon. Um, that's pretty much it. Cool. Appreciate you coming through. Uh, we may be expecting a couple more to fall through as the podcast progresses. Talking about episodes five through eight of The Last Dance. Uh, let's kick it off with episode number five. Um, what did you think, man? Oh, man. Uh, first of all, let me just say excellent job, man. Y'all been doing so far uh, chronicling the, uh, the, the, the Michael Jordan last dance documentary episodes. I really enjoyed uh, the breakdown <clears throat> you guys did of uh, one through four. Um, I don't have a per episode breakdown in my notes. <clears throat> well, five was the one uh, thing I Olympics. Okay, the Tony Kukoc episode. Okay, one thing I do want to say that I really enjoyed about episodes five through eight, no freaking Isaiah Thomas. Um, so that was good that was good but this Tony Kukoc episode man I it's, it's interesting how Jerry Krause in the beginning they don't set him up to be this this villain they try to give a little motive to his madness in the beginning but as the documentary kind of goes on and on you kind of start to see how much of a of a just a, a petty jerk he was and you know how stubborn he was and you know he went out and he drafted Tony Kukoc to kind of be this uh this plan b for the Bulls in case Mike and Scotty didn't work out and that really really kind of lit a fire in the mic when the time came to compete in these 92 Olympics with the dream team and I love how he stepped up and both him and Scotty stepped up and said, yeah, this Tony Kukoc dude, we got him. Y'all, y'all, y'all leave him to us, you know, and that, that willingness to kind of like, let's take on the, this, this, you know, this guy who's supposed to be this prodigy, this European prodigy, and we gonna give it to him, you know, that level of competitiveness. And it wasn't even anything against Tony. It was, it was what they had against Jerry Krause because he was kind of like handpicked personally by Jerry Krause. So I really appreciated that. They gave a lot of insights to Jordan and Pippen's competitiveness. And it was something that, of course, we didn't know at the time when it went down. But, um, you know, I, I love the the historical context that they that they give each topic. You know, they'll touch on one thing and they'll, and then they'll roll back the tape and, and roll back the timeline. They kind of give you some more historical context as to why um, – this particular topic is playing out the way it's playing out. So I thought that was dope. I thought that, that was dope. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, the, the understanding of what was going on, Tony was blindsided by it, but you know, he, 
he seemed pretty understanding of, of what it represented in retrospect. And then I, yeah. I admire Tony's resilience because he comes back the second time they play him and he plays well, you know, so that, that showed a little metal on his regard that he was able to, to withstand things because after that first one, you know, people were questioning whether he was even ready for the league. So Tony had to come out, you know, and, and, and establish himself a little bit. So uh, that was good to see as well, especially, you know, Tony ended up being with the Bulls and, and I'm a, I'm a Kukos fan myself, you know, as far as his game and he was ahead of the curve on a lot of things back then. Um, other things that went down too, and we, we saw a lot of that with the, with the dream team doc that came out a few years back, but the, the struggle <laughs> for the hierarchy of the league that went down between Michael and magic and, and how that played out and how many of the dream teamers, um, pretty much acknowledged Mike as the GOAT uh, at that point in time. You know, some of the things he was doing and how the competitive nature, even in those practices, kicked up an extra notch because Mike viewed it as as league hierarchy being on the line. So he had to establish himself with that. Yeah, yeah. Did you, did you hear that one story about um, that one game where um, – Something happened where Clyde Drexler didn't have um, – for whatever reason, he grabbed the wrong shoes, and he grabbed, like he – had, he had, like, two left shoes. And he didn't want to, like – he decided to play with two left shoes because he didn't want to go back to the locker room, change his shoes, cause a delay a game or whatever. And, like, Michael Jordan noticed, and he, he, made, he made a comment where he was like, man, I must have really – must have really – it's a, to paraphrase, I must have really screwed his head up like in the finals, cause this dude out here wearing two left shoes. And like Mike took it, made a point to kind of like brag about that because of what he noticed. But yeah, just little things like that, man. That like, you know, Mike just, he, he looked for opportunities to assert himself and, and um, yeah, just establish his dominance, man. He didn't, he didn't run away from it, man. He didn't run away from the, from the challenge, man. And, you know, um, that's, that's one thing that, a lot of people can can kind of criticize a player who who shall remain unnamed um, <laughs> at this time uh, in terms of greatness. But uh, you know, he yeah, he just he just didn't shrink back, man. He just didn't shrink back. It's just it's 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 great just reliving just watching this doc and re, reliving those times, man. Like it's it's like really going in a time machine, man. Like both me and my wife have really been enjoying uh, this documentary. Yeah, it give you chills, honestly. Like seeing some of the things that you see that you know you ain't seen since you was, you know, in your teenage years and things like that. It's and and, and reminiscing on that stuff from back then. It's, it it gives you chills. Yeah, and and seeing stuff that you didn't know was 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 actually happening at the time. Um, you know, I didn't know, of course, I didn't know until I watched the documentary about them, this Tony Kukoc stuff. I didn't know the stuff about Scottie Pippen uh, sitting out the final minutes of that fourth quarter for that one game. Um, yeah, yeah, there, there's a lot of stuff. It just it also goes to show how much sports media and sports coverage has evolved over time because stuff that would have been like Twitter fodder for weeks, now it, it, it was barely a blip, you know, on the radar mm-hmm. back then. You know, imagine if a player – imagine if someone did that today, like – Man, like I, I don't, I don't like how this play is drawn up. 
It's two seconds left in the fourth quarter. Game's on a playoff game. is on the line. I'm, I'm going to sit out because I'm mad. Like, dude, like, pe- people would – oh, man, you would get eaten alive for that right now. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, considering Scotty's still catching heat for it, like you said, imagine what he would catch today, you know, with all the Instagram had, and Twitter. And... Yeah, had poor Bill Cartwright crying in the locker room. <laughs> Bill was real though. One thing, one thing I gotta say, Bill was real. You know what I'm saying? He he was he was the old head of the locker room. Like, look, man, you let me down. You let me down, young blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't know, but the, but the cry about it, I don't know. That's a bridge too far for me. Man, yo, how 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 is BJ Armstrong still looking so young? <laughs> Like, is he drinking infant's blood every night? Like, he, dude, he looks exactly the same. He does not. Yes, he does. He got, he got, he got some great follicles, but like in the face, he he look he looks exactly the same. It's all at Baker Square. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I forgot. Yeah, <laughs> man, they just recently went out of business too, man. That's unfortunate. I, I was sad to hear that. That is highly unfortunate. But we also yep, yep. we also got into, and it started with the Dream Team episode, um, started to venture a little bit. You started to get hints of how Mike started to feel pressure and fatigue um, just from being in the public eye, being in the spotlight. Um, people began to scrutinize his life much more, you know, following this dude to casino <coughs> in the middle of the night. So, the the global superstardom, like really, really the first global basketball superstar, you know, and and just feeling the pressure that came with that, you know, it it did even even somebody like Michael Jordan, who wanted to be recognized in those in that atmosphere in that air, um, it started to get to him. It took a toll on him. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was that was interesting. Um, you know, I, I, none of this stuff that a lot, I shouldn't say none of it, but a lot of it that they're covering for people who read the Jordan Rose book, none of this stuff is really new. Um, like as far as the stuff with the gambling and his competitive nature, but to kind of see it on film, it's a little different from reading it in the book because um, you you can kind of see like. They, they were starting to put him through a bit of a crucible media-wise uh, with questioning him going to Atlantic City in the middle of a playoff series or right before a playoff game and, you know, spending the night gambling. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the footage and it's like, okay, he broke no real rules here. Um, so, you know, what was this, you know, what was this all about? And it, it's just – it was just people's expectations of him. You know what I mean? Like right. he, he, had, it, I think it speaks more to his squeaky clean image than anything. It's like, you know, the most salacious thing you could dig up at that time was, was his gambling habit, you know, and you could tell, you could see it kind of wearing on him in the documentary and, and him kind of reaching a point where he was just kind of getting tired of it, you know, tired of the scrutiny. And, you know, if this was anybody else who was, you know, uh, full of talent and, and uh, as, as unaccomplished, you know, as some of today's stars and, 
you know, afterwards they lost, they went ahead and lost that, that particular playoff series. I understand the scrutiny, but like, this is Michael Jordan. Like he still got on the court and performed. He still won that playoff series. He still won another championship after that. You know what I mean? So, you know, maybe the fact that he still went on to win a chip that year, you know, that took away from some of the, you know, I guess you could say salaciousness of that story. You know, because clearly it wasn't a distraction for him. Another thing I'm amazed by is the fact that, like, how much Mike smoked cigars back then. Like, I thought, I, I thought he he started smoking cigars after he retired, or he or he would only do it like after they win the championship. This dude was smoking cigars on the regular and was still bodying cats on the court. Yeah, like you couldn't do that now. Like, who who's built like that? You smoke cigars regularly like that, and like drink during halftime and like you know <laughs> I, I take that back he wasn't drinking during halftime he was drinking after the game but like he he made a comment about how back in the 80s players used to just drink beers during halftime and and that was just that was just part of the culture which you know we all already kind of knew that but like you know it just shows how much the league has changed man that would that would be like that would be consi- considered heresy in, uh, in in today's league, man. Drinking yeah, Miller Lights during halftime. Well, drinking Miller Lights during any time is not that great of an idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you more of a Corona man, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I like my beer defined, refined, and diseased. <laughs> you talked about the book and the, the gambling issues and that gets us a little bit into episode seven I'm uh, sorry six episode six and it talked about uh, Mike and, and the golfing and uh, high stakes golf the gambling people wondering uh, was he about to get suspended over his gambling debts people wondering was it uh connected in any way to uh, the unfortunate murder of his father. Um, I saw some of the cats that Mike was supposedly golfing with. Yeah, uh, Mike, great basketball player, bad judge of character. <laughs> like he, he was like, you know, I, I didn't see, I was just golfing. I didn't, I didn't think these dudes was on nothing like that. And I'm like, I can look at Slick and tell that slick is yeah. bad news. Like he, yeah. <laughs> it's Anybody, like, dude, who raised you, man? Like that dude would send up anyone's antenna. Like the uh, man, what was his name? I forgot his name. Uh, the dude with the Jerry curl that he was golfing. That was with. slick. Slick, slick. What was his full name though? Oh, I don't remember. Man, I forgot to write it down. But yeah, dude was bad news, man. Like. Like, I don't know how he did not know that. I don't, maybe he did know it and he just ignored it because he really wanted to gamble against somebody. But, like, um, that was – Somebody, that had, the, yeah, somebody that, was, that had the cash to gamble with him. You know what I'm saying? It was – True. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't playing, you know, a dollar a hole. No. No. Yeah, that was that was, that was was unwise, Mike. <laughs> I mean, this dude – Yeah, but the um, – the, the the uh what what do you think about the um the the, the efforts that people went to to kind of like connect his dad's death with his gambling problem? Do you think that was fair or unfair? 
it, it's it's grasping for it was grasping for a story. Um, it it wasn't fair per se, especially for it to happen so fresh off the incident. Um, I think a lot of people were diving into it right, right when it happened. You know, the, the man didn't get a chance to grieve. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Mr. Conspiracy Theory. I believe that, you know, there, there, it could be possible, but I don't see what anyone stood to gain from it. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he's, if he's paying off $50,000 debts, Who's to say that he's not, I mean, why would he not pay a greater debt that would cost somebody's life, you know? Right. You no, know, right. he's already he's already writing a fifty thousand dollar check. You know, why wouldn't he any other check, why wouldn't he just write it up? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I I think I think people would just, yeah, kind of grasping for something there to kind of kind of, you know, tarnish his image and because he he was extremely squeaky clean. Um do do you think that do you think that him and and um, um, David Stern did a a convincing job, uh, you know, at, at telling everybody that that his gambling had nothing to do with him stepping away? David Stern will never be convincing because he has untrusting Sith Lord face. <laughs> like it's <laughs> he does, man. Like he looks like a Sith Lord, so. You're going to always be like, yeah, but you manipulated this some kind of way, didn't you? And it's just always like that with David Stern. That's just the way it's going to be. Did, did you ever hear that, that apocryphal story that, that's going around, that went around amongst basketball fans that uh, when, like, they were having – when the league was having trouble with, like, Allen Iverson not showing up to practice and dressing like a quote-unquote thug, like – there's, there's this apocryphal story that goes around that like David Stern like was going off on him and said, uh, um, uh, remember what I did to Michael Jordan, you know, so you shape up. If I could do it to him, I could do it to you. You, you did you, you ever recall hearing that story? No. Yeah. They, they, there's a story that goes around that that's what he said to Iverson. Apparently this was a, a story that Iverson um, a, a, a recounted at some point. But, um, you know, it hasn't been, of course, hasn't been proven. Um, you know, it, it, it makes sense, like, the timing of his retirement when you take everything into account that he was dealing with. Because they, they did a really good job of building up this sense of, like, heaviness of weighing on him, showing him in his hotel room by himself, not really being able to have a normal life because of the demands of his own stardom. And then, like, just the... the the uh, the physical and emotional burden of playing 82 game seasons year after year after year, playing through the playoffs, playing through the finals, going to the Olympics with the dream team, like, and this was back when you had no load management. So like right. the way the way they framed it, showing his retirement when it happened, um, it made it made more sense than it did back then. Because back then, man, you're a kid. You're like, man, why would Mike retire now? He just won three championships. But seeing how they framed everything, I know I'm kind of jumping around here, but seeing how they framed everything, it really made more sense to me why he retired. It was kind of like, okay, I, I get it. And for me, the fact that he said he wanted to retire after 92 
but he had to win a gold medal. And he, the only reason he stuck around was so he could beat Magic Johnson. Like the, the sheer savagery of that statement was just like, I really don't want to do this, but I got to beat Magic Johnson. Like yeah. the competitive fire from that, you know, it's, it's the, it, he was so, he was so competitive that it lent to ego and pettiness. Yeah. Yeah. I, do, do you think the, do you think the doc is going to tarnish his image at all? I Honestly, I'm, I'm from, from several different directions. So you're hearing the, the new generation and, and, the group of players that they follow and and they're saying you know that it's it's inordinately glorifying him and making him seem better than what he was i don't know how that's possible. i don't think i don't i don't think i still think his greatness is be, still being understated at this like don't, don't the, the doc is showing some great things and some great footage and it's, it's, it's putting people onto a lot of good information because now I'm starting to hear more young cats being like, oh, I didn't know that about Mike. I didn't know that. I never knew. Even in, even in the league. Even in the league. And I'm like, yeah, I know you didn't know because you're only 20 years old. Like, you know, so more people are starting to wake up. But, like, for me, man, it's making me like Michael Moore. And, and like, I'm I'm hearing quotes from people who actually had a hand in the documentary saying like, yeah, the documentary still don't do him justice as far as how great of a player he was. Oh no. You know. Oh, I mean, people assume that when you're a Jordan fan, you're still you're jaded. I mean, you're not jaded. You we understood that the part of the mystique of Jordan is the early failure, but fighting over the failure. As as opposed to taking the road, taking the easy way out it is is was the low road less travel, but it was still the easy way out. If you understand what I'm saying, like no, because nobody had taken the easy way out. Nobody has said that I'm going to go to another place where my load becomes easier. That wasn't that wasn't the culture of the NBA and Mike exhibited what that culture back then was. You, you run into a wall, right. you fight and you climb over the wall and you conquer the wall. And then you, you, you really there. didn't, you really didn't see that till you got that, um, that, that like 90, that 99 Rockets team. Remember, mm-hmm. um, it was, it was Scotty Barkley and Drexler. Elijah Warren, Scotty Barkley, and Elijah Warren. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And like, pe- people kind of, you heard some rumblings back then about them ring chasing or whatever, especially Barkley. Um, but it wasn't, they were so old then, you know what I mean? And past their prime, it wasn't really, you know. They were of ring chasing age. Yeah, yeah. You know, that, that's what back in the day, like the Bob McAdoo's and, and, the, and the older players back then would do, hop on the Lakers or hop on the Celtics or hop on the Pistons because I've just turned 33. I only got a couple years left in my career. I need a ring. Um, but, you know, to do it in your prime, that's, that's where it become, became, became, not anymore, but that's where it became questionable. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Um, but yeah, man, yeah, it, it's it's um, it, it's great just just being able to just comb through those details, man. And um, you know the the LeBradford Smith story, you know, with the Washington Bullets, you know, how Mike just made up this this conversation in his head that didn't even happen, just so he could he could like be able to go at it with this dude with such venom on the next next game and um and the funny thing about it is the first game the bulls still won you know what i mean like, no, they, they didn't lose that game the bulls lost did, did they lose that game the bulls lost okay I, I thought they won he just didn't have a whole lot of points but whatever um but yeah and then the next day he took it to do to had to put up 36 in the first half you know it's just you know, Mike didn't have to learn how to be competitive. He didn't have to learn how to be a killer on the court. He didn't have to I, – I maybe you make an argument he did have to learn to be a leader, you know, and get his, get his other teammates involved. But, like, that competitive edge, man, like, you know, he had it in college, man, when he won a ring in North Carolina, won a championship in, uh, in, in North Carolina, man. And, and it's just – I don't know how it could be, even be up for debate his gold status like after this documentary i mean i don't i didn't really see it anyway before this documentary but especially now you know but you know cats just kind of have a, a tendency to dismiss things that they didn't live through you know what i mean and uh you know you get a little asian experience under you and you get time to kind of go back and do the do the do the research and do the knowledge and it's like oh snap okay I didn't know everything. Like we might have thought '90s R&B was like the pinnacle of R&B, and then we—that was before we were able to like, you know, comb through Motown's catalog. And it was like, oh snap! Like, you know, R. Kelly, R. Kelly and Envogue wasn't, you know, you know, the bees knees like we thought, you know. And it's because you had all these other greats that came before, and. um you know, you, you just don't have that. You don't you don't you don't have that all the time. So we got G Smith joining us. You're yo, what's going on, my brother? What's happening? What's happening? Not much, man. Not just much. Discussing the last dance. We just talked about the uh the Bradford Smith abuse. The who abuse? Bradford Smith, man. Oh, <laughs> I I just I distinctly remember that. I remember LeBrafford Smith having uh, a great game against Jordan because I actually come out of college out of Louisville. I I like LeBrafford Smith coming out of Louisville. I thought he had a little game. Then the Bullets got him, and he wasn't doing much. Then he just exploded. Had that game against Mike, and it it got a it got a lot of conversation. I remember getting a lot of conversation. And I didn't know Mike was that mad until you hear the stories later on down the road to where this man says, okay, how much did he have? Okay, I'm going to get that in the first half. And he pretty much just missed it by one point. Yeah, man. That is. Well, I mean, I, 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 don't, I don't keep up with the stories of the bombs. Uh, LeBradford Smith <laughs> is only known because of this documentary. I had no clue who he was. Uh, unfortunately, <laughs> Unfortunately for LeBradford, I think his family knows him better than anybody else. Uh, I, I, Mike, Mike is um, it's interesting. Mike's mentality is interesting to, you know, it's it's very rare that we get a chance to delve into the mind of a true great, um, somebody who, 
like like Ian was saying, undoubtedly, in my opinion, he is the GOAT, just based off this documentary. When you see not only that he was the best player talent-wise, but he had the mentality to fight through everything. Anything and everything. It didn't matter. To be, to, to, to not, it, and it wasn't a scared thing. It was a competitive thing. You know, you bring your best. I'm going to bring my best, and let's see who wins. And, and the confidence grows when you win most of the time. And eventually, once Mike started winning championships, he was unstoppable. Like they talked about after they won, uh, after they won in 91, Mike Wilbon said that he felt like that 92 team was the best team. He felt like that was the best team ever assembled. And B.J. Armstrong, which they keep bringing that bum up, B.J. Armstrong talked about Mike knowing at that point he knew how to win, so he wasn't playing the game. He was just – he was like – he was a maestro, man. He was controlling everything. I <clears> – <throat> so – even 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 when you try to give LeBron or Smith shine, I go back to Mike. So I'm sorry, I I don't. Who? Who is I wasn't that? giving him a lot of shine, man. I was just saying that, you know, I I followed. Saying him. his name gives him shine, and then you said he exploded for 37. Exploded. When you have when you have LeBron Smith's career, 37 is an explosion. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was probably I was probably uh. His point total for a month. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I agree, I agree. But in the end, we I mean, you brought you brought the beast out. So, was it worth it? Not really. I play for the bullets. One one thing I didn't know, or at the time it didn't feel like this. I didn't know his dad when 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 that thing happened with his dad. I didn't know he was missing for three weeks. I it didn't feel like that back then. It felt like three days maybe, but like. That would that would be a I, I, you Go know what? you you're right it did feel shorter but I do three weeks makes sense though because I was like I, I remember it being news for a while mm-hmm. and they just they just like we don't know what happened to him like we I can't remember find being him. At least all of a week. sudden one day it just popped up yeah I remember being at least a week now maybe like by us being I mean I know Mike played here but by us being in Chicago as opposed to out where he was maybe they spoke on it a little sooner in the area where it occurred and it trickled our way and we probably got the news maybe a few days late but I mean it was the 90s it's not like we had Twitter exactly so it wasn't we bombarded with it or or, uh, RIPs all day yeah it's yeah yeah I I felt like I don't know if y'all talked about it I know I'm coming in late on the conversation but I, I felt like this these last two episodes were, were, were sad or I somber. love seven and eight. I love seven and eight. Like, yeah, I, I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying I felt like it was, uh, it was, it was a bit, it was a bit somber. You know, it was like, yeah, these cool things are happening, but then, you know, his pops died or, um, just him fighting through this, this, that emotion, just being beaten down mentally. And and ultimately, him having to explain uh, his championship mentality, and he's like, "Well, if you don't want to play that way, then don't play that way." But yeah, when he got choked up, yeah, man, like that whole that whole thing that was that just man, it was it was a, it was a it wasn't it was tough, but it was you know I, I made it through. 
But I was it like, was, man, it, I, didn't, I didn't expect all this. It made so much sense to me. Like, it explains so much with Michael Jordan and his character and how he, he did his teammates. It's like he takes this game seriously. Like, he is not coming in uh, to, 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 to play around. He's not coming in here to make friends and buddies. Like, he's coming in to win. So, like, I'm not – when I saw that, I wasn't surprised. It was, it, was, it was surprising to see how much emotion he had talking about yeah. it. And, and, and the fact that we find out after the fact that that was only 45 minutes into the first interview where he got choked up like that, it's like, man, he takes this game seriously, you know? And it's like all that goes into him, for me, just being a GOAT, man. Like, you know, you're not going to be the best at a very competitive sport without having – a passion and a love for the game, man, like, and finding ways to be more and more competitive. You're just not going to reach the mountaintop. And it's like, you know, I know I said I wasn't going to speak his name, but, like, that that's the difference between him and LeBron, man. LeBron is, is, is you know, and I get it, different eras, blah, blah, blah. But, like, you, you just don't see that same competitive competitiveness out of out of LeBron. Like you just don't. Like you, I, I see more of it out of out of Russell Westbrook than I do out of LeBron. Like you know, that's what made that's what made it. And, and and you know, Kobe man. Like like I got so much more respect for him than I did like twenty years ago. Like because he he took you saw how seriously he took the game too. You know, and um, yeah, man, yeah. His documentary next. Yeah, I don't think I don't think comp- being competitive makes you great though. Like like you were talking about Russell Westbrook. Yeah, he's competitive. Okay, but I mean, I, I that doesn't that doesn't that's not what it takes. Like <laughs> like man, he's one of the, he's one of all time great. You gotta do the selfish. You gotta have the talent and the and you gotta have the talent and the basketball IQ to to go with it. And I mean, like you, the only yeah. and, and, and the coaching, you need like everything around you needs to work for 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 you to be like a Michael Jordan. You know, Mike, like you were saying, his Mike's competitiveness was on another. It was on another level for somebody being so great. You know, athletically, uh, physically gifted. It was it was amazing that it was he was on this level, and then he had the success with it. And the, and the team was structured basically around him. So, you know, it, he was able to, to, to mold these guys into, like, like Steve Kerr was saying, um, um, I think it was in episode eight. He was like, he was like we weren't, we, at that point, we weren't, we didn't have roles. We had responsibilities. So my responsibility is to do this and this. You know, it's not my role to, you know, he wasn't he wasn't playing in a movie like this is my responsibility i need to care for this every time and that's how that's how they got that success and when you see it now you 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 won't you'll never see that from lebron because lebron is not built that way lebron lebron is competitive but lebron is more about what what we can do like he he knows that he can't do it all by himself he knows he's honestly i believe that he knows he's not good enough to do it all by himself. So he needs somebody like a J.R. Smith to not be a bonehead. He needs Kevin, Kevin Love to actually show up, you know, uh, consistently. He needs, he needs another score. He, he needed Kyrie. He understood that. And that's what made that year work. But LeBron will never – LeBron, to me, LeBron could never be the GOAT just because there's so many other factors that go into it. He just 
he as good as he is, he'll he'll never be the greatest to play this game. Part of it is is too that the only thing that Mike loved more than basketball was succeeding and winning. You said gambling? Yeah. <laughs> but that but no, but but honestly that played into it, right? The thrill so of the succeeding succeeding yeah. and winning. So when even when he when he didn't have basketball and there was voids and things like that, you know, he I gotta win something. He even said himself, he's like, I don't have a gambling problem, I have a competition problem, I have a I winning have a competition problem. Competition problem. Yeah. yeah. So like for him, that that's in that emotional moment that came about. Like Mike, I think had an epiphany in himself. Is like he understood that if I'm not this way, I don't win, and I need to win. So I need to be this way. Now, if you don't want to be this way, fine. If you can somehow win and detach detach way. the two, fine. But don't judge me because I can't detach the two. Is Mike yeah, a jerk? Right. Absolutely. But we knew that yeah. already. Oh yeah. Well, we knew it already. Yeah. But I think yeah. if Michael Jordan wasn't a jerk, because we, we talked about in the previous episode about really James Jordan created that monster. If Mike if Mike wasn't that jerk, I don't think he's as, succe- as successful. Not at all. Can, can we can we can we talk about how he he stuck it to Dan Marley because Dan Marley was another one of Jerry Krause's boys? <laughs> It's like Jerry Krause, man, his ghost just keeps popping up, man. It's like, I know y'all touched on it on the first one, man, but, like, the gall, man, the gall of this dude to, like, be pouty over the fact that people weren't giving the management or the organization, quote-unquote, credit for this team that he felt that they should get. No, dude, you take your credit when they win that championship and they hoist that trophy and you walk out there onto the court in your suit and your nice, clean, dry suit. And you, you lift the trophy up and you let all the fans cheer and clap and you talk about how much of a good year it was. That's when you get your credit. It's like there wasn't even a precedent at the time for GMs getting props for championships. Like, like can you – can I can't – maybe I missed something. I mean, it's still no, it's still no real, real precedent for it. I think, I think in order to be – in order to be a good general manager of an of a extremely successful organization – you're going to get one you, nowadays you're going to get a little more credit from the media but you're just looking for credit in your circles and that's what keep that's what keeps you employed that's what keeps your name out there if you got credit in your circles you don't need like, that credit but you don't need that credit amongst the players you don't need that credit amongst the fans 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 are a little more informed now about who's out there and everything but they're still uninformed because they just throw names out no i mean nobody's sitting up sitting out there like you know Nobody's sitting watching the basketball game thinking who's the next great GM coming up. So you have to be willing to be right. behind the scenes. And it's like he wanted right. to be more visual than what he was. And and back look, at, look at that little goober. Like, <laughs> how, how you gonna put you gonna put that dude on the cover of your uh, of Bulls Weekly? No, I don't think so, man. Like I I I I'm not, I, I hear what you're saying, but I, you okay? Just go sit back there. Go sit over there, Cross. That's why Jordan <laughs> yeah. used to get on him all the time. It, it's it's a uh, it, it's sad that even when you think about it now, uh, the Spurs, a, another successful organization, not many people know the name of the GM. People think that it's successful because of Popovich, but that GM, he he is he has been pivotal, just as much as Pop. They have been pivotal 
in in the success of the Spurs. And it's the same way with the Bulls, but for some reason he did not understand that. Like, dude, when when he, when you win a championship, championship stays at at the at the organization. Like they don't nobody takes it home and and right. you know what I'm saying? Like I all the all your championship trophies are there, your banners are in this like this is your building, but yet you want you want credit for this, that, and the other. It's like, dude, grow up, man. Grow up. And he just couldn't let it go. And for some yeah, reason, he, he had this thing out for Phil. I, I, I still don't understand that. Yeah, I still the understand. The Phil thing, just, it baffles me. And he, 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 he still was, wanted his job. I don't think I, so. I don't think, I don't think Phil wanted his job. They never mentioned that. But I, I remember he back just, then, that, that was the supposed rumor back at the time, like in 96, 97, 98 that Phil was starting to have general manager aspirations. I think that's because he was tired of dealing with Jerry. Honestly, because look at what he did in New York. Because when he went to New York, he wanted to be GM, right? Because he wanted to he wanted to not only cook the meal, but he wanted to buy the groceries. All right, cool. We'll let you buy the groceries, Phil. And then look at what he did. He acted a fool. He didn't know what he was talking about. So I think, <laughs> I think <laughs> ultimately – Phil knew his his knack was people, you know, not signing people, but you, well, working with people, getting the best out of them, mm-hmm. uh, relationships, you know, just maintaining a, 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 the, the, the camaraderie within a group, you know, despite the ups and downs. And he should have understood that after he left Chicago and then came back and went to the Lakers and won three. Like, it's, you know, you don't need to be a genius. One five. Just, Huh? No, he won. He won. Five. Oh yeah, oh yeah. You're right. I was thinking three in a row. Yeah, three in a row plus two. Yeah, yeah. But then he went to New York. So it's it's you know, it, it, I I get it. Maybe it was a challenge at that point. You know, maybe he felt like he had done everything. But his strength is people, and 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 Jerry Krause's strength was obviously finding talent because he was able to discover Scotty. South, come on, man. Southeast Arkansas or, or somewhere in there? I, I don't even, is that a real place? He, Cent- Central he somewhere? Was, Jerry's talent was finding finding talent where nobody else could. I think the, the obvious talent, the stuff that was out there, like big school guys that he drafted, they busted out. When he went into the, yeah, the, the Brad back Sellers, road, uh, uh, Stacey King, yeah, when he, took, when he went to the back road, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's, that's where he found your gems, you know, these these old country bumpkins or when he flew overseas into a small village in Croatia, yeah. you know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's where he was shine. Which not, and here's the amazing part. The guys that he found, not only, not only were they good in, in that short span of time, but their careers lasted more than 10 years, all of them. So, I mean, the, the dude, you're right, man. The, the guy had a nose for talent. I mean, of course you have to take your chances here and there. You know, when you get, when you get that, when you get a chance to get some like a a player of the year, you gotta take a chance here and there, man. But ultimately, yeah, his his thing was finding talent, which is he why they had be, him in the in the in the White Sox organization. He he wanted to be the 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 Suge Knight of sports, you know. He he wanted to be he wanted to be the label head, but he also wanted to be he didn't want to be behind the scenes. He like you say, he wanted to be on the cover of magazines and stuff like that. He wanted to be Suge Knight, man. That that that's what it was. No, no. I can see Jerry Krause right now waxing poetic about Suge Knight. 
Hey, man, they were coming up at the same time, man. They, they probably partied together. You never know. Yo, I got a comment on the bossness of this documentary of having two former presidents give commentary. I can dig it. Does that, does that bother you? No, no. It's, I thought it was pretty boss, man. You got Obama and Clinton on here giving commentary? Well, Obama is such, Obama's such a meatball fanboy that, you know, he probably volunteered himself to do that. Yeah, yeah. I, it's still dope. Is I agree, it is dope, and it, it shows it shows to the the, the uh, how iconic the Bulls with Michael Jordan were. Um, dude, is I mean everybody wanted to be like Mike. Every everybody wanted to wear the red and black. Uh, like it was it was a cultural thing. Like it, it was just a shift. So uh, yeah, yeah. I, I thought it was pretty cool. I, I also I. I thought it was interesting to 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 delve into the uh the baseball career. I don't know if y'all spoke about this. Well, we um, I was actually about to bring that up. Oh, I'm sorry. Look, go ahead, go ahead. Well, would you look at that? Would you look at that? Uh, little segue. So it, it's I, I really <laughs> I really appreciated how they uh dove into it because I forgot I remember that feeling like man, this is a publicity stunt because there's no way he should be in double A. The dude just came off of playing basketball for eight, ten years. Like, how is he in double-A baseball already? You're not in shape, nothing. But I knew, you know, I understood those circumstances. But they said that he brought the same determination, the same work work ethic uh, to, to the sport. And he didn't cheat it. And what he got, he earned. Now, should he have been in double-A? Probably not. But, you know, he made – he made the most of his time there. I mean, even yeah. starting off with a 13-game hidden streak. Uh, he, he drove in. He drove in 50. He stole, wasn't a bump. Stole 30 or something bases. He wasn't a bum. He bump. was not a bum. He was not a bum. So I, I was encouraged by that. I don't think he would have made the big leagues. I mean, let's not get crazy here. He had the speed to I, do it, definitely. I, tr- I trust Francona, man. Like, Francona's one of the, one of the great managers of I trust era. Francona, too. I agree. I agree. Which we didn't – obviously, we didn't know because we let him go. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever, man. I, that, I that's to that's the story of the White Sox, man. <laughs> that's the story of the White Sox. Oh, we didn't know we, we didn't know what we had at the time. Who knew? <laughs> I wanted to comment on how happy Michael Jordan looked playing baseball, man. He He looked like a kid again, man. It was like – you you could tell he kind of like really like re kind of was able to kind of find himself again, um, yeah. you know just just yeah just being able to just play that the sport of his childhood and like he just looked happy man he like he he just wanted the acceptance of those guys and just kind of be yeah. one of the fellas again. He was one um, of the guys. Kind of breathe a little bit. I mean, outside of the media, you know, because that that was a, a given. You know, you hear even the players and, and the management back then, by all accounts, he was just one of the guys, man. And he, like like G. Smith, G. Smith said, um, put the work in. You know what I'm saying? Like, he got with the trainer. And, and Tim Grover told him, he's like, you're going to have to reconstruct your body. And Mike was like, okay. So he got with the White Sox trainer and worked with him and reconstructed his body. Like, if you think about it, in, in five years, 
Michael Jordan reconstructed his body three times. I mean, who does that? Yeah. Yeah. You, you got to have a discipline to do that and the drive. <laughs> and, and, and that's the other thing, too. I, I, keep, I keep looking at this where they talk about, well, he was, he was the first one in the gym and the last one to leave. A lot. That goes to show you the mentality of a lot of the other guys. They'll come in. They'll come to practice. Practice is only two, three hours, man. And that's it. They'll go off. They'll do their, they'll do their obligations. They'll hang out at the house. They'll, they'll hang out with the family. Then they'll come back and play the game if it's a game that day. Like, Mike lived in the – he lived – not even lived in the gym. He lived working on his craft, man. Like, he spent 8, 10, 12 hours a day on his craft. And that's what helped him to become the greatest. But then for him to, to be able to maintain that success throughout his career such, at such a high level and not just, you know, winning games but winning championships, mm-hmm. uh, leading the league in scoring, uh, the defensive the, – the, the effort that it takes to not only play offense but defense too at the same time. Like, dude, was, he, was, he, was a, he was a monster. And the, the best Bulls, player in the league the Bulls by far on both sides of the ball. By far. And – and he had a court built on the set of Space Jam so he could still Jordan practice. Dome. I remember that. I remember that, dude. And, and, and he, was such a, he was such an assassin with it. He invited all these, all the best <laughs> NBA players to come out and play with him so he could watch them, dude. He was coming up with stuff as motivation. Like, he was, he was acting like they were saying stuff about him on the court. And he remembered it. Throughout the season, like I remember when you, when you came out to the Jordan Dome, you was talking crazy. I got you. Take this thirty-five. <laughs> like he, he was a monster, man. And, yeah. and, and and I would like to say this too. Back to when he when Mike uh, uh, left baseball, and and people forget that the strike has has something to do with that too. Yes, baseball strike has something to do with that. When he left, <clears throat> when he left baseball to go back to basketball, um, in that in that short amount of time, still having a baseball body, dude went to New York and dropped fifty five on the Knicks. So we talking if that, that, if that like, ain't if that ain't that goat worthy, game, right? Yeah, yeah. If that if that ain't goat worthy, I don't know what is, man. Fifty five. Absolutely. points after a week back in basketball. <laughs> He's a beast. He's a beast. I mean, come on, man. I, you can't tell me nothing. Who? LeBron who? No. Nah. No. Nah. Kobe? Maybe. Yep. Not the GOAT, we- though. He up there. I respect him. Can we talk about Gary Payton? <laughs> oh, yeah. We're getting there. Sh- should we? <laughs> so, I mean, did, dare we say it at this at this point? Dare we say it the the moment of the documentary, where you know it's it's a it's a new it's a new gif, it's a new meme. They show the clip of Gary Payton, pretty much saying he he put the gloves on Mike, and Mike having a hearty laugh at Gary Payton's expense. It's uh, hey man. I, I get it. Gary Payton believes in himself and his abilities as an athlete and everything, but he, he should. Gary Payton was defensive player of the year that year. 
He was. I forgot about that. He was. <clears throat> but but to be like, yeah, you know, I lock him down in games four and five. It's like, no, you didn't. They were up 3-0. They took their foot off the gas. As teams that are up 3-0 tend to do. The team that's down 0-3, they're going to naturally just play harder than the team that's up 3-0. You know, so I think that's what that was about. Um, you know, I, I remember – I really re- – it's funny, man. You, you watch these, this, this old footage, man, and all the memories just start coming back at that series. I remember how they were up 3-0 and everybody was predicting the sweep. And, um, yeah, you just knew they had it in the bag, man. You, you go up 3-0 on a team, you figure that team out. You figure that team out. So they, they're not really giving you any problems at that point. But, like, the, the emotion that you saw when, when he finally clinched it on Father's Day and you see him break, break down like that, that was uh, – I remember when it happened, man, because I remember, I remember thinking to myself, why is Randy – why won't Randy Brown get off this dude? Like, like let him have his moment, you know. Oh, Randy. Randy, Randy, and, Randy. And um, that, was, that was something to see. That was something to see. I, I agree with you on that one. I think uh, I've always felt like I hated Randy Brown for that because, like I said, Mike was about to jump and touch the scoreboard, and Randy Brown was the only thing that could hold him down. And, and I just remember, like, dude, I, I can't believe you. I can't believe you. Why did you think that you were going to get that basketball? <laughs> I, th- I honestly thought that they was going to kick him off the team after that. Like, dude, no, get Maybe done. you need that memorabilia. Dude, Mike, Mike wasn't giving that up, man. I mean, that was that was obvious. That that ball is not for you, bro. All right, and that, and that get you another to, one. That speaks to the Gary Payton thing too, where you know Mike was basically like, "Look, I had other things on my mind. This was my first opportunity to win a championship without my dad." You know, so his father was on his mind for both those games, and and I'm sure it it was well, it was it was some extra incentive to win it at home, win it on Father's Day. You know, after after unfortunately dropping them two games out there, if you remember one of them one of them games out in Seattle, uh, game four and game five, one of them was uh, officiated terribly, because um, you saw you yeah. saw Mike got heated at the officials in one of them games. It was terribly officiated. So, you know, it was it was a lot of other factors besides. And and all due respect to Gary Payton, Hall of Famer, great defender, great offensive player, great point guard. All due respect, but. Dude, you you weren't the reason that took place. No, no, not at all. No, not even close. It's a team game. The, the I remember Seattle was almost uh, like they couldn't miss. It was it was kind of strange. They were playing really good basketball, and the Bulls just they they couldn't make shots, man. They, I I just remember they couldn't get on that roll. Um, Mike tried his best, but they just they just didn't shoot well games four and five, and then. And then, you know, Kemp backwards dunked on on Robin and sat on his neck. Yeah, Sean Kemp ate Dennis Robin alive in that series. He ate what? He ate Dennis Robin alive in that series. I mean, you got to call it what it was. The whole – yeah, he balled. He balled. Sean Kemp I mean, balled he, out. Yeah, no, I'm saying he, he balled out. He balled out. But, I mean, that's not going to be enough. It, it, that, if he balled, if he balled every game, they should have won more than two games. I mean, you won the two games after you were down 0-3. Okay, I guess, man. But they, they just, they, again, they weren't on the same level as the Bulls. And Gary Payton, 
you know, as confident as he is, which I can understand completely, as confident as he, I mean, and he's basing he's basing his comments off results. He's not saying that he's not saying. Well, he is saying that if I if I had guarded him in the first three games, it might have been different. He has said that. I've heard him say that. But let's be honest, man. The the Bulls the Bulls were were destroying you the first three games. Yeah. Not not just offensively, defensively, especially when the third quarters came around. It was locking right. them up. They weren't scoring. No, Brikowski out there acting a fool, uh, trying to get in fights with Rodman, just all kinds of stuff, man. So I mean, no, they they were on the same level. And for Mike to laugh at that, that's 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 about par for the court. That, that when I saw it, that that felt right. I, I, if I was Mike, I, I, I'm the goat. You telling me you held the goat down? Okay, okay. If you want to feel that way, that's the cool. laugh just felt uh, right. But we all know the truth. It, it felt right, man. I mean, I see, like, yeah, that's Mike. That's Mike. People don't realize though how good that Seattle team was. They had won like 65 games. Like, yeah, they were really, good. They were really good. Second, second best record in the league behind behind a 72-win team. The 10 Bulls team. I was going to ask y'all, what out, out of all six championship Bulls teams, which one do y'all think was the dopest? Hmm. I, I always, me personally, I always be partial to the first team because in that in that year they swept the Pistons, and I hated the Pistons. I always be partial to them, man. Like that team, if you you have to go back and watch the games, but even you could catch some of it in the highlights uh, if you if you go on YouTube or somewhere. Those bulls were young, spry, and hungry. Hungry. They they wanted it. once once they got to the finals, they was a little shaky uh, after the first game. But like Mike said, we didn't even play our best game, and we lost in overtime. He was like, "We know we're gonna beat this team," and it was just like from there you saw just, whoo! It was it was a monster, man. Like I. I'll always be partial to that that 91 team, always. Like, for me, it's between 92 and 96. Um, I think those are the as, – as much as Phoenix was good, I think Phoenix was good in large part just because they were playing a system that was ahead of its time. Um, they had shooters. They, yeah. they, had, they had a flex wing. They, like, they had a guy that could compete with a, with a Pippen, Dumas. When he wasn't on the, when he wasn't on the pipe, uh, <laughs> they, hey. they had they had an MVP, they had KJ Marley, uh, uh, Danny Ainge coming off the bench, dude. They had a, they had a decent team. When you go back and you look at the um, <clears throat> some of those games from '93, from the '93 Finals, Barkley was giving it to Horace Grant. Yes, he was giving, he was giving it to everybody that came his way. You know, I don't and, know. And, and he still looked up. He felt like he played the best he could play and looked up and Mike played better. Now, how does that feel? Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I felt that in my chest. I was like, dang, dude. Like, you you the MVP. You felt like this. you played the best that you could play. And, and you look over and this guy played better than you? How? Man, 
Whew. Barkley's always been a realist, man. But yeah, and I like, appreciate that. I don't know where this false narrative came that like Horace Grant was this like great glue, glue guy. You know, um, he did his thing out there, man. But like when the Bulls got Rodman, I'm gonna get an edge to the '96 Bulls. You can't argue with '87 and '13. Um, you know, I think they were the the team that had the most flair. I think they were the most they they were able to kind of get their continuity going from that 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 the tail end of the 95 season where they unfortunately lost to um uh, Orlando. Orlando. Yeah, it was Orlando. So, you know, and they 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 just had a point to prove, man. I th- I think that's when Mike was at his most determined. And you can't argue with you just can't argue with um 87 and 13, man. Like, you know, that that um that 91 team was pretty was pretty dope too. Um and the 92 team was virtually the same team. Um, I would get an edge to the 96 team, though. What about we, you? I, I, can't, I can't argue with that. Like, anybody says that 96 team is, is the better of the teams, I, I'm with you. I mean, that, that record speaks for itself. The best record, including playoffs ever, you can, uh, you can go ahead and stash that Warriors season. Um, the best team ever. Record-wise, seventy-two and ten um, means nothing the, to me in the regular season, nothing. and then well, only only three losses in the playoffs that year. So, uh, if you if you want to put them no. there, I'm, I'm with you. No, 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 no. Go to state. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Bulls. Oh, oh, okay. Seventy-two okay. and ten in the regular season, then only three losses in the uh, playoffs. Yes, uh, two to Seattle and one to Charlotte. Yeah, the B.J. Armstrong game. <laughs> yeah, he had his one. Are, are we sure about that? Yeah, I think that was '97. They lost to Charlotte. I think in '96 they lost to. I got my computer right in front of me. You keep going. Talk, talk amongst yourselves. I get the stats. <laughs> and the whole B.J. The whole B.J. Armstrong thing, where. They interview Mike, and again, like you said, the, the smoking cigars in the locker room, swinging a baseball bat, not a care in the world. It's like, hey, uh, are you are you worried about the rest of the series? Uh, no. <laughs> and yeah, then, that was that was cold blood. I would have been I would have been dude so shook if I was the other team watching that footage of him swinging that bat in the locker room with the cigar in his mouth, just as laid back as ever. And then after they win, he's like, we, we may not lose another game this playoffs. Yeah, he was he was almost right. <laughs> he was almost right. Like he wasn't gonna let it happen. So the Bulls swept the Heat 3-0 first round. And I thought I thought so. In the second round, they they beat the Knicks 4-1. Now, and, and here's how I remember that. Uh, they played back-to-back games. So they played a game on Saturday and a game on Sunday. And the Bulls ended up losing – I want to say they lost the Saturday game after winning the first two in Chicago. Was that the they game that Mike – they lost, but Mike went when he hit, nuts when he, in like the last five yes, minutes? that's the one. Okay. Yeah, okay, that's the one. Yeah. To, to, just to get it to overtime, Mike went nuts. Yeah. 
And he hit the like, fadeaway three on him. And yes, like Derek wing. Harper yeah. was draping him, and he was just drilling trays on him. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and, they, and then everybody else, well, they beat the – they swept the Magic, of course, and then they, they won 4-2 against the, the, the Seattle Super. Let me let me ask this. Let me put this out there because I don't know if I don't know if y'all spoke on this either. C- can we forgive Pippen? Sure. For... Forgive him for what? For 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 being a for, <laughs> for being a butt when when we needed him to be the man. But, but at that point, we didn't need him to be the man. We needed Tony Kukoc to be the man. No, no, no. Oh. We needed Pippen. We needed Pippen to accept his role. They set you up for that. Earlier in that episode, they said Pippen was never really a scorer. He was always more of a facilitator. But that's why they played the triangle so well that season. They felt like that might have been Phil Jackson's best coaching job. Took him to the playoffs. Uh, got a decent, decent seed. Um, and lost eventually to the, to, to the Knicks. But they were down 0-2 to the Knicks. Went back to Chicago. <coughs> Phil Jackson had... Pippen taking the ball out, and he didn't want that. He, he said, why would I be the decoy? Exactly. He was the best pass on the team. Tony was the best scorer. It all made sense, but all of a sudden, Pippen wasn't going for it. What changed? Is it because he was taking the ball out instead of actually, you know, seeing if he could get open? It will, I mean, was that – because to me, that feels like that the was the issue. Because of the numbers he was putting up, because of his of what he had done that year, he felt like he was the most dangerous man on the team. Scotty was reading the, the the papers. He was aware of his MVP votes. He knew he finished top four MVP. So he's like, "Look, I'm I'm a top four player in this league. This is my shot." But he wasn't looking at, "Hey, Tony's six eleven and he's got a six five dude guarding him." He wasn't looking got at a baby on him. If we can get him the ball, he get a clean shot. You know, yeah, you can. You're 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 overall a better player than Tony, but you're a better player with time on the clock within the offense. Tony's more of a, a guy who can get a quick shot up. You know, he wasn't looking at all the factors. He was, was looking it? at, I'm the man, this is my shot. Right. And I, I – Was that was that Pippen's realization moment that he wasn't Mike? I think – I think – I think that came later. If it, if it didn't come – Come then, I think it came later when they finally lost the series. Um, and then the next season, they were like barely he over was, five. He was like, Mike, please come back. Mike, please, please come back, please. Yeah, because he couldn't, he couldn't, handle, being, he couldn't handle being the man and the scrutiny that came with it. Because that was, that was that time period where, it, and it hasn't been discussed, maybe, they, I don't know if they're going to get into it. That was the time where they found the gun in Pippen's car illegally. And all this other stuff was surrounding. He was he was the guy in the public eye at that point. You know what I'm saying? So all the news stories broke. It was about him. Any bad relationship he had with with any all of the women he he went out with in the local media that came out. So you know, I don't think he was mentally ready for you know he could he could play the role on the court, but he wasn't mentally ready for everything that came with off the, in the guy. You know what I'm saying? Like. You when you stepped into Mike's shoes, you stepped into Mike's shoes. Like you're now the man on the most famous team in the world. People are watching you. And I don't think he wanted he wanted the court part. He didn't want the off court part. 
So, so do you forgive him? I'm asking both of you fellas. Do you, do I you for, forgive? I forgive him a long time ago for that. I forgive him because it didn't cost him the game. <laughs> and I forgave him a long time ago. But like, could, I, bro, your best player wasn't even on the floor because he chose not to. Like, I don't. And they, I got, think, and they got the win. I think so, he chose poorly, and, and how he he vocalized the situation and saying, "Yeah, it was, it was." It was the worst thing to do, but I would do it again. I don't. I don't think that was the right words to say right then. But he had time. He knew exactly what he was saying. That don't, that don't mean it was the right <laughs> thing to say. Special. Wait, Greg. So, so, do you forgive him, or are you like Bill Cartwright? You still uh, shedding a tear yeah, over? It. I ain't crying, but I, you know what? It, it opened up some wounds, man. Because I had forgot about it. I had forgot. Honestly, I mean, I, re- I, re- I think about the, the migraine headache game more than the game where he just chose not to go in. And when they went back into the – and they reminded me that they was, Phil was going to have him take the ball out and pass it to Tony. And he just was like, nah, I, I don't want that play. It, it, mm, it left a bad taste in my mouth, man. I like, felt like Steve Kerr. He didn't like, know he how to be the man. Him. He didn't know how to be the man. Like, and – in a strange way, I respect him for that because he looked at the situation. At that point, in a strange, in a strange, in an interesting way, I'm gonna tell you why. Like, you know, you're the best player on the team. We we can take it to a pickup level. You know, you're the best player on the team, and you don't get that ball for the last shot. You gonna feel some kind of way, right? I respect him for feeling that way because, like, he had full understanding that he was who he was. I'm Scottie Pippen. You supposed to this supposed to be my shot. But at that point, dog, change the play. You know, you know what I'm saying? It's called audible. If you if you Scottie Pippen, you you the man, you flex that. Change the play. I know what Phil just said, but Tony, you throwing this ball in. But Scotty never had the gall to pull a move like that. Exactly. That's a goat move. Like, no, nah, we ain't running that play, Tony. Look here. You come take the ball out. <laughs> he would never he, he never he never had the guard for that, man. Because he didn't he didn't want he didn't want the negative that came with, with those shoes. Like if Scotty does that, you better make that shot. Yes. But that's the other thing. What made Scotty so sure that he was gonna make that shot? Look at a couple plays prior. Shot clock ran down the dude shot some wild three pointer. They clanged all over there. It's like, dude, they ain't ready for this moment. You can't even, you can't even handle near the end of the game. How you gonna handle the end of the game? No, nah, man, give give it to Tony. I know what Phil was thinking. Phil looked at it like, what is it? And if you remember that series, that whole series, the Bulls was blowing fourth quarter leads. Yeah, that's how they was. Yeah, that's how they was losing. Yeah, he was not stepping up in the fourth quarter. They was just blowing leads left and right. Never mind Hugh Hollins. Yeah. I'm surprised the series even got to seven games, man, to be honest. To be honest. And I, I hate it when the Bulls lost to the Knicks, dude. The yeah, Knicks and the Pit well, Knicks and Piss is on similar levels with me as far as hate. So No, by that time it was definitely the, the Knicks hate was a little stronger, man. Cause um At that point, yeah, for yeah, for, yeah, yeah. But it's I, like I when still, they lost to Orlando, if I see John Starks. If I see John Starks today, swift kick, Mid- <laughs> midways, swift one, Cody Parkey style. 
<laughs> it's on it's on it's on site. I'm gonna shank huh? something, huh? It's on it's on site with Johnny O, huh? <laughs> Starks, I'm gonna make him stutter for the rest of his life, man. <laughs> oh man, can't stand the Knicks, man. But I, 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 but even still, you know, I think I agree with you, Pippen. Pippen, he couldn't have been the man because. Because even looking at how he how he reacted the next year, while the Bulls were they were all right, uh, he he had on Mike's shoes. He was like, Mike, just come back, man. Mike, please. He he looking at. I remember that. I remember that game. Watching that game, dude. Like he was that on was sidelines. That was right after Pip had a pretty pretty MVP ish moment. You know what I'm saying? He caught that that baseline feed out the triangle and, and boom, tied day for the win. I mean, it was. That, that was that was a moment. So it's just like I don't I don't think yeah, Pip, but, Pip couldn't take the downs of that. He could he could handle all the the ups of being the man. He couldn't take the downs of being the man. Yeah, yeah. He knew that. He knew that. That 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 one year where he was always MVP. That was trying. Like he was like, man, I can't keep this up. I, I need some help, Mike. Please, please, just come on back. Yo, oh, another At, thing like episode eight like brought back for me was uh. How shook I was watching that that Eastern Conference Finals against that Pacers team, that stacked Pacers team. Yeah, you know what yeah, y'all. No one else remembers that. I think they're gonna go. They're gonna go deeper. No, no, I remember I that, that's coming nine. up. Yeah, that's coming up nine to yeah, ten it, because it, Reggie Miller yeah. talking out of pocket, talking about something. I felt like I was I was about to retire, Michael Jordan. Yeah, we were the better team. I'm getting ready to retire, Michael Jordan. I don't like that. I don't like. It. I can't. I can't wait till they show Mike that on the tablet. Can't wait. <laughs> Look at this here iPad. Reggie what Reggie said. <laughs> I'm gonna be surprised. He tossed that punk across the room, man. That man. I mean, the paces were good. If you think about it. If you remember back, they had the, they had the Davis boys, Jalen Rose, Chris Mullen was having a real nice year, uh, Travis Best coming off the bench, Reggie Miller, of course. I mean, they had a, they had a really good – Austin Crozier, Rick Smith, forgot about him. was unreal. And Larry Bird coaching them, man. I mean – Yeah, they were scary they, good, man. Yeah, they might have won a championship. They didn't have to play the Bulls. Travis Best was resurrected from the dead after Scotty killed him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but then he died a few years after that. So yeah, Travis got that Jason Terry treatment. Yo, what y'all just... think about the what y'all think about the Scott Burrell bond between him and Mike? Mm. Mm. I wanted to get I wanted to get get to this. Um so the the Scott Burrell thing, right? A lot of people are saying, you know, questioning that man's manhood. Like, which which is not fair. That's not. I don't fair. think so either. Different people respond differently to situations. You know, what I'm saying like, I don't think it makes Scott Burrell any less of a man because he was able to absorb and deflect Mike's name calling. It didn't shake him. It didn't bother him. And all these people in the world want him to to punch Mike. You know, what I'm saying like. Scott Burrell was like, yeah, you, you can call me what you want. I bet you won't put hands on me. So right. say whatever. 
It was like, one it was thing you fun. don't hear, you didn't hear Mike pushing. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure Scott Burrell played the same physical defense Steve Kerr did. And and you don't hear nothing about Mike trying to swing or push Scott Burrell because he'd, he'd probably caught some flame. I don't know because Steve Kerr hit him back. So it's a difference between somebody my talking opinion, about you and somebody putting Steve their hands Steve Kerr wasn't with it. That's no, he wasn't. I'm saying, but if Mike if Mike would have put hands on Scott Burrell, you don't think that would have like yeah, Scott, that would have been like the back. straw that broke the camel's it, back. It, it, it it wasn't it wasn't like Steve Kerr didn't he didn't just steal off Mike because Mike was talking about him like right he got caught in a bad spot man and then after the hard foul Mike running up on him like he physically had to defend himself and he did what he had to do Scott Burrell on the other hand he was just a a verbal whipping post for for Mike. But but he knew what Mike was trying to do as far as pushing. But yeah, he, he was he was he was the Charlie Murphy to Mike's Rick James apparently. Like he, but yeah, but like he he wasn't he wasn't there just it's just a, a Mike verbal wasn't sponge. punching him with championship rings. <laughs> it would have been great if he was though. <laughs> uh, 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 like this was impressive. Got, uh, got, got, he got world world champs. Stamped on his forehead. <laughs> he was their mascot. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! You know what? You know what? Uh, I found I'm tossing this dude out the window. Throwing this dude on the scores table. <laughs> you. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, Mike was incorrigible. You know, that wasn't the first time I had to whip him. <laughs> Yo, man, Mike, Mike really need help, man. <laughs> I just, we just, just right there. He just gave us some help. <laughs> Mike was a habitual line stepper. I know what's interesting I think, though, uh, about that Steve Kerr story. The fact that Mike had and people just like don't even like they just gloss over this. It's like he said he had to like like hunt down Steve Kerr's number to call him to talk things out. I'm like, Ooh, you ain't got this man's yeah. number. We said the same <laughs> thing, bro. Like like you didn't his number wasn't even in your phone, bro. Like you were playing with this dude for how many years? <laughs> he had to call Ooh, Blanche at the front three, desk. Four years. <laughs> right. Can somebody connect me to Steve Kerr, please? The, 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 the little door, the little short dude that hit me. Blanche at the front desk is look, pulling look, wires and look like he working accounting. Yeah, just the moment. Crazy. Just, 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 just patch me in. Yeah, you know, I, I oh, thought the man. same thing. I'm like, man, he didn't have his number, bro. <laughs> of course not. Yeah, they just glossed over the hat. I'm like, wow. To me, that was, was that was more disrespectful than punching that nigga. What the was what? What was? Again, how many Kirk? of your coworkers' numbers do you have? What was on Steve Kerr on everybody that, on that my Mike show. needed? Really? Mike, nothing Dang. about Steve Kerr's life was Mike interested in. I don't need your number. Well, it could have been. It could have been. Do <laughs> <laughs> ain't even that man. He he, he could have shot him a text. You about, if you about, ain't going to the casino or the strip or club, I don't need your number. Was they texting <laughs> back then? Were they no, texting they back then. But I think it just goes to show how times have changed. <laughs> like back then, you could be on a on a championship team with a guy and not have his number. It's just it's just weird, man. It's just weird. <laughs> Anybody know how I can contact Steve Kerr? <laughs> Anybody? 
I, I, I don't know where to find them. <laughs> Mr. Jordan, this is the ticket office. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy, man. I don't think they gl- <laughs> I don't think they glossed over it, but it was one of the things I like as soon as I heard I said, What? Yeah. <laughs> you don't have his you you don't even you don't even have you don't even have his contact in your phone? Like, okay, maybe you don't remember his number, but you don't have his contact? He had to find somebody to find his number. (laughs) (laughs) Cross, look, man. (laughs) I know this is sudden, but just 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 give me Steve's number. I I need to apologize, man. It's not like it's not like you go to training camp and they have sharing day. And everybody's exchanging numbers. <laughs> right. Everybody writes your number on this paper, and I make copies. So everybody have your everybody number. Yeah. <laughs> but then, but then, then after that, they say, well, our fight, like our discussion brought us closer together. I bet. Because y'all, y'all actually talked for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who knew? Who knew that having a conversation with somebody could actually bring you closer to him? <laughs> he probably was staring at that phone like Michael. Who? <laughs> Jordan? Nah. <laughs> I'm not gonna pose that. Stop playing Scott Burrell. <laughs> Dude, you can like. That's that's totally that's totally a believable story because you can look at the way Steve Kirk kind of coaches, how feisty he is. You can tell he ain't he ain't up for taking no guff off of nobody. I don't care who yeah. you are. Oh yeah. Mm-mm. Yeah, yeah. No. All right, dude. Yeah. So right. I wanted to get to this, right? We 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 covered the doc pretty well. And there's there's some people out here. Who who have a little bit of sour grapes with the airing of this documentary and have taken this opportunity to bring up decades old beefs. Craig Hodges is in the media. Mm. Who? Craig Hodges. Craig Hodges is in the media and he's kinda he's kinda ripping the documentary a little bit, talking about, you know, there there's people that were on that team that didn't get enough pub they didn't he was never consulted they didn't talk on to what him team? he was on the team the, on, on the, the first, on the on the first championship team <laughs> and and not team. me in it this and not and as me he, in it as he's saying this i'm like i'm sorry you saw like the first team that was coked out no he was the first championship. he was only on one team and then he he said he took exception to to Michael Jordan saying that it was the traveling cocaine circus and this, that, that. like, you can tell, like, some of his thoughts, some of his thoughts weren't well founded. He just, you know, you know, Craig didn't had this beef with Mike for years. Yeah, he hurt. Um, hurt. So, because Mike didn't step up and support him, man, come on, man. You got to let that go. You got to let that go. Mike would, dude, they clearly explained Mike was never about, uh, uh, a stance politically or anything. He just did that. That wasn't his thing. So that brings me to this. We'll, we'll get back to the Craig Hodges thing. Does an athlete have a responsibility to be political or have a responsibility to speak out for his community? 
or is it an option? <clears throat> it's, it's, it's an, an option. option. I think it's, it's always a, an option. Yeah, it's always an option, but it helps when the person is informed about what they're actually taking a stance on. True. See, that's that's what people are kind of glossing over. Like, like Mike, at the end of the day, the dude that in that Senate race from North Carolina, they wanted him to come out and, and endorse. At the end of the day, he still contributed thirty grand in his campaign. So, like, obviously, like you know he let his voice be heard in in that manner and he probably voted for the guy but like to come out on a public stage and say i'm endorsing this guy that's that that was more of a that was a more of a tall order back then than now <clears throat> because now know. all you got to do is go on wikipedia type in a candidate's name and you can see the position they've taken on every single issue back then you didn't have that unless you were really plugged into politics like that so you know, it was just a different time. You know, we, we were talking earlier about how the news cycles are so different. It's like things were different then. It's like now being woke and being politically and socially active is, is kind of like the end thing right now because the stakes are just so much higher these days. And, uh, and you know. And I think you can get, I think you can get away with, if you're certain people, you can get away with making uninformed statements and you won't catch the heat like had mike taken a stance at that point i think that could have affected the trajectory of his whole career not saying that i mean let's say it, it i mean to him that was more important the the trajectory yeah, I, I, of his career i agree with that my, my only problem then what the doc the documentary kind of exposed was it, it's I think it's different from what LeBron and them are doing now, kind of speaking out on the on the Freddie Grays and Trayvons and that kind of stuff, like the social activism part. Like that, the dude, the dude that was running the North Carolina was like, I forgot my hood and my car racist. Like that dude, he was like, he was like next level, dude. So like I, on on that level, I, I'm as as a fan of his, I would have been personally disappointed that he didn't say anything, but. Again, like it is an option. Like I can't fault him for not, not throwing his hat in the ring. But as a fan, and and if I lived in that area, I would have been hurt about that. But it, it shouldn't. That pressure shouldn't be on athletes per se to to do that, to to make political stands. Because at the end of the day, they still athletes. You know what I mean? And that's not, that's not really that's not their for, forte or their forum to do that like it, it does help when they do but it isn't like it takes special yeah. dudes that are really informed on those issues in order to speak out like like Ian was saying because if you're talking outside of your head you don't know what you're saying and you're not helping nobody and you're making yourself look bad yeah I think when you bring politics into your work because people forget that I mean while they're while they're entertaining us it is a job for them they are paid right to act and perform. When you bring politics into it, things get kind of murky. Right. Um, but they they do have a platform to do so. That is a choice. I, I don't I don't feel one way about it. You know, with Mike not doing it, or or LeBron doing it. Uh, I don't I don't. I think it's I think it's cool to hear what they what they think. I think it's ultimately, and I and I, I think this is what Mike was thinking. I think ultimately, what matters is what you do. <clears throat> so Mike, like Mike said, he contri he's contributed to, to various campaigns. He's given guys money. Um, 
he's he's helped them monetarily. Why does he have to go out and say that he did that or say that I support this guy or say this that, and the other? My, my my money should show that. And and ultimately, I don't want to I don't want to mix the two between my what my ultimate goal is to be the greatest player to play this game and to win championships. Politics has nothing to do with that. I yeah, back then happens, it, was, it would have been more of a distraction because uh, he, he might have had to make an appearance with the dude or whatever. Now it's like all you got to do is send out a tweet, you know, to be an armchair activist now. It's just so convenient, you know. All you got to do is send a hashtag out and it's like, okay, now we know you, you, you know, this is where you stand. You're standing in this corner or whatever. So it was just different then, man. <laughs> Things were just different then. Now you could you could be – an activist from the comfort of your own home. And like, you know, it, times have just changed, man. Times have just changed. But, yeah, you they know. They said they, they wanted him they wanted him to film, a, to do an ad for the candidate. That's what they were saying they wanted him to do. And he was. And see, that would have took time away from practice. That would have took time away from something else, basketball related, maybe some workouts he had scheduled. I, I kind of see why he, you know. And then maybe ultimately, the personal pursuits, because. We know Mike liked to gamble. So maybe he just didn't want to do it. I can understand that too. And that, and that, he didn't, go to, my he didn't point. go to the White House. He didn't go to the White House to meet the president after they went to the Because he said he was busy. He was busy, man, with obligations. You got obligations, you know, man. But like today, that would have been interpreted as some sort of political statement. Yes. So it just, it kind of just goes to show you how much times have changed, man. Yeah, I mean, and ultimately, team. it's your decision. He's been to the White House before. Freedom, the freedom to do something doesn't make it an obligation or it doesn't mean you have to do it. It means you now have a choice. So, you know, if if, if he exercised his freedom in the, in the sense that I choose to not do this, we can't get mad at that man for making a choice to not cast his die in one direction or the other. And like you said, he, he did it monetarily. Greg, you know, he talked about the, the, contributions he's made they people always want to bring up he's never done anything for black people but if you look at the contributions he's made he's donated money to chicago public schools he uh like you said helped the candidate in that race he gave his money he doesn't vocalize his political leanings even when what i think i remember when bill bradley was running and, and him and bill bradley were friends and mike was like i'm not saying anything about politics so he's always chosen just to to play the line on political matters. So, I mean, that's his choice to do so. I mean, I don't think we can take anything away from that man because he's chosen not to do so. And, and like you said, it's, it's easy to take a stand now and, and then even retract when you find out that you're uninformed because the same people who come out and are armchair activists and say, you know, fight for this cause, fight for this person, this, that, and the third, they may come out on a whole different political issue and be completely out of bounds and be completely wrong about something because they feel like there's this obligation to always have to say something. Sometimes you just got to shut up. Yeah, imagine if imagine if a, a candidate that came out in support of, or imagine if an athlete that came out in support of Anthony Weiner. We all know what that guy did. <laughs> You know, now now in every interview, now you got to explain to some reporter, like, what you think about him exposing himself, you know, and taking... Like, man, I've never seen this junk, so I got nothing. What's that got to do with me? 
<laughs> <You're right. laughs> you know, it's it's, and and I think too that's part of the problem too that that Craig Hodges supposedly has with Mike. One, I mean, it all, it all boils down to Mike not not having his back in that court case. I, I forget exact details, but I do remember that incident. And then now so it's it turned was about money. <clears throat> Because he felt like wasn't it like wrong for termination? Because of a, a stance he was making with uh, uh That's with right. The, he with thought he was blackball from the NBA. Yeah. And he felt like if Mike would have just said something, he would have been, you know, it wouldn't he'd still be be able to make money in the league. Like and then I think too we we tend to give celebrities too much power, like too much fake power. Like you think that if a certain celebrity athlete endorses a certain <laughs> political stance or a certain politician, that that's going to just sway the public. And I think you're, we're giving those individuals a little more power than they really have. Um, had Michael Jordan came out in a lawsuit against the NBA, and said, yeah, Craig Hodges was blackballed. You, do you think that would have got Craig Hodges back in the league? No, because David Stern would have still came out and said, that's nice, Mike. This is my show. Well, you know, I think, I think Craig Hodges, I think Craig Hodges, for, for that part of it, Craig Hodges has a legitimate beef, but that's not what he's saying. He's coming out and being like, yeah, Mike didn't need to say that about the guys doing the cocaine and, you know, these are guys with families. It's like, come on, man. We all know they was doing coke. Like, grow up, man. It's what it was in the past. It's water under the bridge now. Mike wasn't even the one who brought it up. The reporter brought it exactly. up. Mike just laughed about it. So, like, to be like, yeah, Mike's Aaron dude's out for like, you know, cocaine they sniffed thirty six years ago. I think that's a little naive. You didn't name child. names. And, and, and more that, than likely, everybody knew they, that them dudes were smoking cocaine. And that some that of those nothing, players have, no have been arrested and, and died since yeah. then from residual effects of cocaine. Cocaine, yes. cocaine was actually an NBA sponsor back then. <laughs> Which, in my opinion, also lends to Jordan's greatness. Because when Jordan played, guys were on cocaine. <laughs> in this era, guys on weed. Who moves faster, guys on weed or guys on cocaine? Well, I mean, you can look at the effects that it had on J.R. Smith, and, and, and you can say, I, I would take the dude with cocaine. I'm, I'm, exactly. I'm, <laughs> you don't know. You don't know who who's up. We just left the timeout, man. What are you talking about? You don't know who's up. You don't know the score. You don't know what time it is. Which end of the court he's supposed to be at? <laughs> I'm sorry. That dude, that dude was about to run to the locker room. There's 12 <laughs> seconds left in the game. And 12 seconds like, left in the game, gone. and I need a defensive stop. I'm getting a cokehead every time. <laughs> every every single time. <laughs> every single time. That guy yeah, got Mike your rock. Mike playing against the dudes, man. Oh, that's crazy, man. It's... It, what I've been seeing though, like it's 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 a little sad too that that Mike's shadow, the cast, the the shadow that he cast over so many other dudes, man, and like a lot of a lot of people still heard about that kind of stuff, man. <clears throat> but you don't see Cliff Levingston complaining. Who? Uh, but 
Dude, you don't see you know who good news Levinson complaining. I know. I was just messing around. Mike forgot about the guys. You know who I'm always interested that they show? Patrick Ewing. Every time yeah. there's a Mike documentary or story, they go, Patrick Ewing. Oh, hey. Hey, Pat. What do you think about this? Man, yeah, man. I, yeah, Mike Mike took it from me, man. He took my whole life from me. So <laughs> I'm going to just take all these documentaries from him. Every time. They, every Dude. time there's a documentary, here you go, Patrick Ewing sitting in a corner in a dark room on a, on a Barker lounger talking about, yeah, uh, we thought we had him, blah, blah, blah. Get out of here, man. I mean, from college college all the way through his career, man. They're like buddies, man. Him and Pat buddies. Yeah, like like the lovable lovable loser. Like, oh, oh, sorry, Pat. You know what? Hey, come on, man. We're going to go get some pizza. You want to go get some pizza? I'm going to get some pizza. That's hey, how remember, I look at Pat. Remember, right? remember Patrick Ewing's shoes? <laughs> hey, so I had a pair of gloves. Remember, remember the silhouette on them? <laughs> I had a pair of gloves. And well, the, the Ewing logo looked like Superman. So I had... <laughs> and they like look, an ape reaching for a banana, man. Like, <laughs> And they look way bigger. <laughs> they look way bigger than, than they were. Like a size, a size nine looked like a size fourteen when you put them on. Bruh, I couldn't do it. I was like, these are tripping up your old feet, no boys. They didn't, they didn't look comfortable. I tell you that much. Like they, oh, they look they're humongous, but they fit like a glove. You say what? No, man, that's some burglar shoes. Man, you weren't sneaking nowhere in no no Ewans, bro. No, nah, just make dude. sure you just, just just make sure you wash your feet, man. Knocking over tables and stuff. <laughs> nah, I, I never had no Ewans. I never wanted they, them, man. They'll follow you from the crime they scene all the way home and then. <laughs> <laughs> he, he left tracks. <laughs> we were expecting Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> he had his own shoe, man. That was hilarious. <laughs> the two-footed uh, elephant traveling all over just, the uh, he the bank. <laughs> 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 the dude should have had his own, uh, like how they got the uh, the, the 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 sweatbands. He should have had his own sweatbands and knee pads, man. That's what Patrick. Yeah, I don't now. I don't bought some of the knee pads. <laughs> Dude, you, 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 and every other uh, construction worker in the, in the <laughs> metropolitan area better get you some of the pats, man. You'll be good. <laughs> oh, bricklayers alone would have kept that man afloat. Man, Yo, sneakers, he wasn't thinking about it. His sneakers had steel toes. <laughs> but you know what would have ruined it though? Because even even if he would have came out with the line, you know, the knee pads and everything, <clears throat> if it still dunked on him, man, and then like <laughs> stepped over him. So then I'd have been like, nah, get these things out of here. Wait, 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 them pat knee pads. That's crazy. The knee pads. Get them out of here. <laughs> the Bulls terrorized teams for a decade, bro. 
<clears throat> Dude, just just when just when Pat thought he had a chance, well, he ended up getting to the finals. But just when Pat thought he had a chance, he gets dunked on by Pippen. He thought the humiliation was over. No, no, oh no, 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 no. It continues. It continues, bro. <laughs> Don't forget, Pippen dunked on him the game before too. Yeah, yeah, he did. Mm. Mm. A, a decade, bro. Every time you looking up the Bulls, then you finally think you you from under Mike's thumb, and this nigga come back. Oh, <laughs> I be heated, bro. Why don't you go on somewhere, man? <laughs> yeah, I've been thoroughly entertained by this by this documentary, man. Like after this is over, man, I could go for ten more episodes. I dude, I could, man. Here's here's what I want. I want to see the the, the footage that they didn't use because I hear I'm hearing different things. I'm hearing like Horace Grant had more to say. Uh. You know, he had he had some words to say about Mike, talking about Mike didn't want to see me. And, uh, if Mike ever put his hands on me, he know he knew what time it was. Yeah, okay. Mm. Like I, I want to see stuff like that, man. Give give me some of that extra stuff. It's gonna be on the box set, man. You gonna have to buy that. Yeah, I'm. A, I, I ain't got no problem with that. I don't got a DVD player, so I guess I got to figure out what I'm gonna do. <laughs> the box set. <laughs> <laughs> some, kind of, some kind of DVD player to play that, man. <laughs> now I got this box set. What am I going to play it in? Putting the desk in. Seems like years ago, man. <laughs> but the box sets? Yeah, man. Oh, DVDs in general, man. That's a red box the other day. I was like, they still, red boxes are still a thing? <laughs> Especially, yeah, for, especially for with coronavirus. <laughs> yeah. These tainted DVDs out of my house. It's crazy, man. I, I, I'm going to miss the system. They got a cleanse the cleanse system in the machine. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I will too, man. Like, what? I mean, I was thinking about that. Like, what else are we going to do? Now, ESPN does have a – they got a Bruce Lee documentary they're coming out with. They got some other – they got some new stuff they're coming out with. But it's like, man, it ain't gonna be nothing like this, man. Ooh, ain't, like, ain't, this nothing, was... ain't nothing gonna scratch that basketball itch for basketball. Man. Like this is appointment television. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yes. This right is up. like this takes you back to when the Bulls actually played, where it's just like you knew you were gonna be at seven o'clock at night. Yeah. You know, you know what's you know what's funny, man, is is it, it galvanized, especially us like that 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 was up in the nineties. It galvanized like the city in general, like re- whatever whatever your background was—white, black, construction worker, <laughs> Rodis, Rodis white collar—who who it didn't matter, man. Everybody knew the Bulls, man. Like we be talking about this mess every Monday, you know what I mean? You come to work, and everybody watched. It don't matter who who you are, or where you was at. Like everybody remember the Bulls in the nineties. It's like how far we've fallen, man. <laughs> Dude, you you trying to you trying to? It's yeah, you right, dude. And it's <clears throat> to to get to to still be able to. I mean, how long has it been? Ninety eight. You know, we coming up on twenty twenty. I mean, to to still have stuff that we we might not have seen about the Bulls or might not have known about the Bulls to be like shown to us. You know what I'm saying? Like reintroduced. It's basically like reintroducing the team to to a whole new generation. Yeah, and people find. And I've I've seen people like, okay, I understand what you were saying. Mike is the goat. 
I, I, I understand it now. Imagine if we had this kind of stuff for like, uh, or, or our parents had this kind of stuff for like a, when Magic played or when, when Bill Russell right. or, or yeah. you know, Will Chamberlain played. Like, they it, do that. That'd be, be amazing. That'd be amazing to see, man. Yeah. Yeah. Because then I'd be like, dang, Will Chamberlain was a monster. But right now I'm like, eh, he was just a sex fiend. <laughs> yeah, man. Dude, I would, I would, so, I would love to like watch some of them old games, man. Watch Kareem and Worthy in their prime. Will Chamberlain dunking over midgets. <laughs> What's the old chefs and bakers? Man, they were probably oh. on crazier drugs back then. Oh yeah, experimental stuff. They didn't even know what it was. LSD. <laughs> Nah, you you couldn't hoop on no LSD, man. Mm-hmm. I'm sure some of them were on LSD. If you could pitch on LSD, you could hoop on LSD. Pitching you might not hoop man. well. That's and the game hoop, might be hilarious. Rose, right? If you if you was on if you was on LSD, you was an enforcer. Dude, if you was on <laughs> LSD, LSD, you wasn't messing you around was, with the You basketball. was tripping, bro. Like you probably running from the basketball, the lights. <laughs> somebody, somebody blow a whistle. You freaking out, man. Nah, you running down man. court. You got to do zombies them. down there, man, dude. <laughs> LSD and Quaaludes? Have y'all ever seen, like, Mike Judge's uh, animated series on YouTube called Tales from the Tour Bus? Yeah, I watched Oh, man, they got some great stories on there. It's good stuff, man. That The one with Bootsy Collins is one of my favorite ones. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> great stuff. I'm, I'm sorry we're getting off topic. Is this have we have we discussed everything that you wanted us to discuss? <laughs> Oops. That's fine. Go ahead. I, I haven't seen it. I've 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 seen the actual videos, but I haven't watched them yet. No, they got I think they got them all on YouTube. I think it was on Netflix, if I'm not mistaken. Might not be on there no more. At, let me ask y'all this. At the end of the day, <clears throat> how knowing what we know now, how do you feel about has your view changed about Kraus and, and has your view changed about Ryan's door? Or have you or 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 is the way you felt you feel you now how you've always felt about them? <clears throat> less. I, I have less of an opinion of Kraus. Um, initially, I, because not being old enough to remember a lot of the X's and O's and, and him, some of the some of the behind the scenes stuff, like seeing just how grimy he was and disconnected from the team, that 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 has made me lose lose respect for him because he is the one that went and got Mike. He is the one that that did not nah, he didn't get Mike, but he he's the one that he built those Mike. teams. Yeah, he didn't get Mike, but he's he's the one that put those pieces around. You know what I mean? The, the Horace Grant trade was huge. Um, Dennis Rodman, even even bringing Kukoc over, but it's the it's the way he did it and and kind of the scumbagish manner that he operated. It it it, it I lost a lot of respect, and that, and it wasn't really high because we all know he kind of dismantled the Bulls by forcing, but just seeing seeing how he kind of was heavy-handed and and the way he treated Pippen and just everything the way he conducted <coughs> himself it's like I've it's really lowered my opinion of him and and, and Reinsdorf Reinsdorf has admitted the Bulls aren't his focus so I really I 
I can't go lower than zero with him as it was. So Krause has went from like a four to like a two in my opinion. Yeah, Krause definitely. Yeah, he he definitely came off smelling worse after watching this than uh, than previous. Reinsdorf, my opinion of him hasn't really changed at all, but Krause definitely like. You know, it's so frustrating that find out after the fact, it's like it didn't have to end. Right, yeah. They could have won four straight, you know. Imagine that, man. But <clears throat> for his bizarre reasons, yeah, he just wouldn't keep the team together. You know, tell him, Phil, I don't care if you go 82-0. This is your last season. It's just how, – How how insane is that? What, 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 what isn't the goal to win? Like, I don't understand – why this see, if you had, if you had kept them together and let's say they won a seven championship maybe then you you would have got the props you were looking for but who knows but but i mean if if but to dismantle it prematurely now your name is mud you reaping the benefits of them winning regardless you know what yeah. i mean that's that's you you the general manager of the team so you reaping the benefits of finals <clears throat> and championship rings coming to your organization. So, like, maybe he felt like he couldn't get fired. So, what does it matter? Ryan's ain't going to let me go. So, I could I could do what I want to do. So, you why know? lose? I, isn't the goal to win? Like, nothing nothing he did at the certain point made sense. Like, the whole even, – even Kukoc, like, as good as Kukoc <laughs> was, and I get, I get courting him and everything else, but you've got one of the top – 10 players on your roster playing that position already. Like, even if you want to get get Kukoc and bring him over for depth, like, <laughs> to, to disrespect Scottie Pippen the way he did, man, was was foul. Like, and you want it, to see him while he was supposed – the same day he was supposed to negotiate the contract, yeah. you lead the country to go see Tony Kukoc. And that's, that's, what, that's what sparked all of that. That's crazy to me, man. My opinion of both of them hasn't changed. I think I placed them right where they needed to be. I I know the facts. Jerry Krause built the supporting cast around Michael Jordan. Jerry Krause also dismantled the Bulls probably <laughs> one year That's... prematurely. And I mean, and it, it is it is what it is. Maybe two. I, I knew it was a scum. I knew he was a scumbag. I knew he did it for his ego. There's no really no other reason to do it. It's not a it's it's not a money grab. Um, he did it for his ego. As far as Jerry Reinsdorf, Jerry Reinsdorf has always had the reputation for being cheap, for siding with the organization. I don't see anything different that he did with that. He was relatively cheap and sided with his organization. So my opinion of them hasn't hasn't really changed. It's, it's not improved, definitely, but it ain't changed. It's, it is what it is. As a fan to watch that man, and and then realize that that you this this dude built a castle and then took a baseball to a bat to it. You know what I mean? Like he he, I, I, just, I don't I don't I can't I can't for the life of me understand that. I don't I don't know if it's just the ego thing or you have to be in this position. But like I can't I can't see a successful GM doing that nowadays. You know what I There's mean? No- there's no way we can tell what whatever lurks in the hearts of rich white men. So <laughs> evil. So it's it's like this. If 
if you build a, a really nice car and people find out that the only thing you are not responsible for is the engine, but you keep this chip on your shoulder, it's like they're going to think I didn't make this car simply because I didn't put the engine in the car. That's what Jerry Krause was like. It's like, I need to put a car together where I build the engine, the frame, the parts, and all of that. And it was a it was an abject failure. Um, he he couldn't take the fact that, like even now, right? You got the Last Dance. Michael Jordan gets the credit for those championships. Jerry Krause couldn't take it. His ego didn't couldn't take it. It's crazy. Well, at the end of the day, are you putting on a uniform and going out there and balling against Patrick Ewing and Reggie Miller and Gary Payton? It's like, yeah, the the, the players are going to get a, a a huge measure of the credit. That's just the way the game goes. Like, you didn't suit up. Sorry, you wasn't with right. me in the gym. Yeah, I don't know, man. It's it's just a it's a mentally it's just a huge disconnect to me. Like, I just I can't fathom. I can't fathom why somebody would do that. Like if 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 that's your goal as a as a NBA GM or even even across sports, you know what I mean? Like, I, like like Belichick, man. I as as much as people don't like the dude, like he's he ain't in no hurry to dismantle his teams. You know what I mean? Like he may not get credit for for he not getting no Super Bowl and like the 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 accolades that Tom Brady is getting on all this other stuff, but he's not, he's never been in a hurry to move Tom Brady. Even if they wasn't getting along, like he understood <laughs> that winning was more important. And I, I, I for, for, the, for the life of me, like I can't fathom why Jerry Cross You got the greatest player of all time on your team and you steady throwing shots at him. You steady pissing people off. And then we saw the same thing trickle down. Like, Reinsdorf kind of encourages that kind of nonsense. Like, we've seen it with Paxson, with the trading of Ryan Adams and the little stuff he was doing with with, uh, with Tibbs. And, you know, he you got your general manager putting hands on coaches, and he's he's keeping his job. Like, it's – I don't know. Both, both of them dudes, man, are just – they clowns to me, man. It's amazing that we that, that the organization did what they did in the in the nineties. Like that's to me, they did all of that stuff in spite of Kraus and Reinsdorf, which is yeah, <coughs> that's an even bigger uh, achievement than than just winning by yourself, man. Because you went in in spite of your organization that's actively working against you. You know what I mean? Like that's that's crazy. That's that's some major league stuff right there. That, that's crazy. You, you winning, you winning, and your your general managers zip your star players off. They, they, it's crazy. I, I don't, I don't know. I don't like both of them. <laughs> all well, that'll uh, that'll do it. <laughs> we'll end on that day. <laughs> I don't like them. I uh, thank you. <laughs> and way to end it uh, so we got the last two episodes coming 9 and 10 and I think production finished on those as they were doing like the first four episodes so we're supposed to be getting some more I think some more Pippin footage um, some Pacers footage so uh, we're going to hopefully get the, the full view of that last dance team and maybe you never know maybe the next two hours will 
or change our perception of some people that we've developed this this deep into the docu series. So we'll see what's hey, up. Guys. We'll see what's up. For perception of who? Reggie knows. Who knows? Who knows? No. Nah. Never like that, bro. It's, it's got to be Reggie Miller because I, 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 he's my second least favorite. I mean, my I one wonder, of my least favorite players. I wonder how much time they're going to spend on the actual '97 championship because they've touched, they, they've covered the first three, sorry, first four pretty well, and they're building up for the, of course, the last one. But I wonder if they're going to really dive into that that '97 season. I would assume episode by episode. I mean, uh, uh. I would assume uh, 97 gets nine, and then 98 gets a, gets a little bit of everything. But I, I think because they're they're in the playoffs in 98. I mean, uh, in this documentary by 10, well by now, they they've beat the Nets. That was the end of the first one, right? No, they beat the Nets. Then they beat the Hornets. Yeah, they beat the now Nets. They're the um, Pacers. They're up to the Pacers. There you go. Yeah, that, that bum Reggie Miller. Oh, mm, mm. thanks for joining I, I, I me, fellas. My comments for that. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining me, fellas. Appreciate y'all coming out. Uh, definitely want to support all the efforts. Um, there's <laughs> a new litmus test episode I see. Hmm? Was there? there is? I, that's what I thought. I saw one. Yeah, hey, give him a second. He's drinking out of that giant no. cup again. <laughs> Telescopic goblet. What the? <laughs> Surprise! That thing <laughs> needs like a snorkel at the top, man. It's a super solo. <clears throat> uh, a new episode? Oh, yeah, we did. We well, I posted a new episode last week. I'm gonna post the the, the second part of our uh, of our first episode. I mean, uh, our episode from last week, our childish Gambino review. Um. It's a quick review, but we we get our point across. So uh, yeah, check it out. Uh, I'll post it tomorrow for sure. And then uh, vibes and stuff is constantly pumping out episodes. Seems yes. like two a week sometimes. Like a machine. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we got some more stuff coming down the pipe. We got some 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 more playlists coming and another episode. So uh, yeah, yeah, we're gonna keep it rolling. All right, fellas, but I appreciate you joining the Stay House Podcast. It has been real. We will uh, reconvene with Stay House Podcast to discuss the last two episodes and uh, sum up the series, and then we'll get back to talking about whatever sports exists. I don't know. You might get some <laughs> Korean baseball on this thing. And who knows? <laughs> backyard, backyard bags, man. You know what? Man. Some, some, some E-League play on here. Oof. Oh, come back, sports. But uh, <laughs> G Smith, Dave, Ian, I've been Chris. Stay podcast out. Appreciate it. All right. Peace. Peace. Peace.